Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Hello everyone and welcome once again to our online church platform. It's always a blessing for us to be able to meet despite everything that's going on around the world and also in our country. Uh, this is the access that we've had. So I want to encourage you, please, um, as we're enjoying the, the Word of God uh, in this platform, please share it. There are many uh, people that are not able to provide streaming through their churches. And so this is a time where we want to be generous concerning the Word of God that's coming to us today. So I bring you greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of everything that we're facing, we must continue in the Word of God. We must continue knowing that the Word of God is our sustenance and our strength. Uh, I'd like to uh, just make reference to uh, one of the announcements particularly the men's prayer meeting that is coming up on Monday. It will be on Zoom, and so there's no excuse for you to participate. Please make sure, if you're a man in our church, make sure that you prioritize this time. It's going to be between 6 and 7 on Monday tomorrow, and uh, we also fast during the day, so please make sure that you're fasting uh, from tomorrow morning until we break the fast after our prayer meeting in the afternoon, in the evening. Uh, it's so important. These are, are perilous times. These are tempting times. The Word of God speaks of how Jesus spoke to his disciples, and he said to them, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And so prayer is something that it should not be neglected at this time, and God calls men everywhere to pray, and we'll be praying for personal issues, family issues, and also for national issues as well. Uh, tonight, we are also having the, uh, a trial run of a Zoom service, so we're going to have uh, something more interactive. So the links will be sent through by the team, and so if you can participate, it's going to be the same message, but we'd like to invite you for the evening service on Zoom. And then we'd like to please uh, invite you to let us know as the leadership of the church if you've contracted COVID or if there's someone in your connect group that's con uh, contracted COVID. And the reason why is because we'd like to lend as much support as we can uh, to those individuals and to those families, whether it be in the, in the manner of food or, or medical advice, anything like that, prayer, spiritual covering, it always is helpful to go through it with support. So please let us know. I want to encourage all the connect group leaders, please uh, keep an eye on the people within your connect group to make sure that they are taken care of and shepherded. And then another announcement that's come up is also our mission that is going on to Ochivarongo. Exciting. We just had our mission coming back from Zambia. Many testimonies, obviously a peculiar time, uh, but a lot of testimonies. We've got a mission going to Ochivarongo, and so please sign up for that. And some have asked, oh, is it the right time to be reaching out? Of course, it's the right time to be reaching out during COVID, during a crisis time. That's when people need to hear about Jesus Christ. We're not doing missions under the banner of convenience. The Word of God is to be preached in season and out of season. And so I'm going to pray for us as we uh, minister this morning on a, a special word. We'll start a new series the following week. But today there's just a, a, a word of encouragement that the Holy Spirit has highlighted for, for us this morning. So Father, I thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are ministering even in these times. You are sent as our helper, as our teacher, as our comforter. 
as the one who leads us. And Father, I pray that through your word this morning, you will bolster our faith and that you'll encourage our hope and you'll, you'll give us, Lord, your passion, Father God, so that we are able to thrive in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So our, our subject this morning is thriving faith, hope, and love in the COVID crisis. Thriving faith, hope, and love in the COVID crisis. You know, this week I've managed to have a couple of conversations uh, with individuals that have been impacted either directly or indirectly through the COVID-19 uh, um, uh, pandemic. And a lot of people have experienced loss and tragedy through this time. But, you know, it is important for us to realize and remember that it's not the first tragedy that we're facing around the world or even as individuals. Life in general has a lot of issues and tragedies that we face. And uh, we should not be uh, of the mind that God is caught by surprise and is frantic about this situation or that God is discouraged or even worried at all. God is fine. He's, he's totally anticipated this and therefore he's provided sufficient grace for this time. And, uh, you know, when we face tribulations and difficulties, God still wins in the end, despite the tribulations and difficulties. And God can even use tribulations and difficulties and turn them around for our good. But uh, the perspective that we have is paramount. It is important that we see the situation, the situation through God's eyes, that we see this time through God's eyes and that our hope and our faith is built on that foundation. You know, we should not be surprised that we're facing a whole lot of tribulation. The prophecy of Jesus in Matthew 24 concerning the end times is that things will get worse and worse. But it's important that as darkness covers the earth, that we arise and shine because our light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon us and that Christ is in us so that we are the beacon of hope in our communities. And that is a real hope. It is a real hope that affects our hearts, protects our minds, and gives us a victory beyond, beyond the difficult trials and tribulations that we might be facing, you know. We don't live in a perfect world. We do live in a fallen world. We live in a world, as much as there are many wonderful experiences, birthdays and weddings and marriages and all of that, wonderful, blessed experiences. It doesn't mean that we live in a good world. We live in a sinful world, in a fallen world, to the point where even the Son of God, the perfect Son of God that was sent by His Father into the earth was crucified. And, and sometimes we think, no, I'm a good person. Bad things happen to good people in a bad world. And so it's only the Word of God that is able to sustain us and give us a hope beyond that. Jesus said in John 16, it was the night that he was betrayed, he said to his disciples, in this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so this morning, I really want to give us a word of encouragement from the Spirit of God concerning the times that we are facing. I'm reading from James chapter 1, from verse 1 to 4. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's important for you to notice that James was the brother of Jesus, the biological brother of Jesus or half-brother of Jesus because um, uh, the father of Jesus is obviously in heaven. And so it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And James was one of the last disciples to believe in Jesus. He actually only believed in Jesus 
and converted after the resurrection, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So imagine you're the Messiah, you're growing up in the home and your brother doesn't even believe in you. And so James, eventually his faith and his conviction is so riveted and so transformational that he becomes the leader and the bishop of the church in Jerusalem. And this is the church that was under severe persecution uh, in the first century. And it says, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. And the 12 tribes were scattered among the nations because of the persecution that came in because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So James is writing in the context where many have experienced loss and tragedy. They've experienced a lot of opposition and crisis and difficulty, similar to what we are facing now. People have been killed and murdered because of the gospel. Many have been destitute of their homes. They've been removed from their businesses because of the persecution. And this was the people that James was writing to. And he starts off by saying, greetings, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, this is interesting, because you know, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is amazing. And uh, James is eventually killed as a martyr, even in Jerusalem. Uh, and later on, they tried to kill Peter because they eventually arrest him and the church was praying. That's when Peter was released by the angel. And so in that time, James is speaking, knowing suffering, knowing opposition, knowing difficulty. He says this, when you're going through suffering, when you're going through difficulty, when you're going through crisis, when you're going through persecution, when you're going through trials and tribulations, what should be your disposition? You should be full of joy. You should consider it pure joy, he says, whenever, not when the persecution seems to be turning out for your favor, when the trouble seems, whenever you face opposition, as a child of God, whenever you face trials and tribulations, consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy when you face many trials and tribulations. He says trials of many kinds. Many kinds. Many times we go through our difficulties feeling like, yeah, but this is a situation. I don't know whether I can make it at all. He says in any situation, any trial, any situation, there is joy for you. And why is that? He says, because you know, you should know, you should have a conviction. There should be an awareness in your heart. You shouldn't be thinking, oh, everything's uh, falling and everything's turning out badly. You should think, no, what's happening inside of me despite everything that's happening around me? He says that we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. It produces an endurance. It produces the ability to continue. Hallelujah. It's amazing. The life of God in us, in us as believers, continues to be strengthened when it's opposed, when it's resisted, when, it's, when there's a, a, a trial that we're facing. It's amazing. 
Other people, whenever trials and tribulations comes, it undoes them, it destroys them, but not for the believer. For the believer, it causes even more blessing and favor and grace to flow in the life of the believer. Hallelujah. Because many times we are tempted to become discouraged in the time of our trial, but it's not time to be discouraged. It's time to be joyful when we face diverse trials uh, of our faith because it produces perseverance. It would be like a muscle that is strained. A muscle only grows stronger when, it's, when there's pressure on it, when there's opposition on it. In the same way, our faith, our perseverance continues to grow. And it says when perseverance has finished its work, it makes us mature and it makes us complete, not lacking anything. Wow, that's amazing. Because in this context, they were losing everything. They were losing their family members. They were losing their businesses. They were losing their homes. They were losing their church. They were losing. And yet, the word of God tells us that the perseverance and the joy that came from the opposition was producing in them maturity and such a completeness that they could rejoice and say, I lack nothing. I'm reminded of Psalm 23 where the, where the uh, psalmist says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, I shall not want. In the same way, we need to have this genuineness of our faith, if it's tested, producing us maturity and completion. And you might be asking yourself, that's not what happens with me. When I go through trial and I go through tribulation, I backslide. Maybe you need to consider whether you put your faith in Christ. Because Christ does not change. When you're facing a trial, he's the same. When you're facing a tribulation, he's the same. When you're facing temptation, he's the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still loves you. He still died for you. He's still preparing a place for you. He's still making everything work together for your good. This is who Jesus is. This is why our perseverance continues to endure because of the fact that our faith is not in ourselves, but our faith is in a person who does not change. Hallelujah. And so there's a joy. Let, let's begin to have this joy in the midst of COVID-19, in the midst of this crisis, in the midst of our difficulty and our loss. There is a joy. He says, consider it pure joy because our faith is being purified. It's the same like when you purify precious metals or gold and silver. The more, the more they are taken through the fire, the more the dross and the, the impurities are removed and the purity of their faith comes forward. But if you're building on this life only, and we only have hope towards this life and, and the materialistic things that we see around us, then we are to be pitied and we are desperate. But because we have a hope that goes beyond the grave, that goes beyond tribulation and situation, we can be rejoicing despite the situation. And we can see our faith producing in us maturity and completeness. I'm reading here from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. The Apostle Paul, speaking about the 
the apostolic ministry that is so persecuted, that is so opposed, they are despised. He says that, um, um, I'm reminded of that song, I'm trading my sorrows, I'm trading my pain for the joy of the Lord. I'm pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. And this is what he was saying. We were going through many difficulties. We were beaten, we were shipwrecked, we are uh, without food, we are without homes for the sake of the gospel. And then he says, in verse 16, therefore, we do not become discouraged. This is amazing. He says that there is something in the believer that causes us not to lose heart. It causes us not to be discouraged. It causes our courage to continue. We have this ability to prevail and persevere. It is in us. It's not coming from positive uh, thinking and our mental state of mind. It is the life of God in us is producing. The spirit of God in us is producing an encouragement inside. He says we do not become discouraged or utterly spiritless, exhausted, and wearied out through fear. Though our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day. Hallelujah. And so he says, no matter what happens to us, no matter what happens around us, what happens inside of us is where the hope is. That's where the joy is. That's where the value is. The, the, the word of God says we have this treasure in jars of clay so that the excellency is not of ourselves but of God. And so there is something inside of us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. There is something, the Holy Spirit that is in us, the deposit of the Holy Spirit in us is what gives us the encouragement to continue. Then he says in verse 17, for our light and momentary affliction. Light and momentary affliction. This is what he refers to when he says light and momentary affliction. Beatings, <laughs> scourgings, uh, being stoned, being left for dead, being shipwrecked, not having enough, right? Not having food, preaching the gospel in difficult times, being despised for the message that we bring. Light and momentary affliction. Some of them even being killed, right? And he says the slight distress of the passing hour is even more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations, a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. The more we are crushed, the more the, the, the wine or the, the, the juice from the grape comes forth. The more the olive is crushed, the more the oil is produced. The more the believer is crushed in opposition, the stronger his faith. The stronger his faith, the more you remove his possessions, the more you remove the natural things that you see around us, the more we see the faith and the strength and the value for Christ elevated. Hallelujah. It's amazing. And it's not something that we have to try and do. If we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. There's something in us that in the face of opposition, it begins to rise in our hearts. And therefore we take heart, we are not discouraged. Verse 18, since we consider and look not, look here, very amazing what he says here. Since we consider and look not to the things that are seen, 
but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are visible and temporal or seen are brief and fleeting, but the things that are invisible are deathless and everlasting. Hallelujah. We do not consider what we, what's happening to us in the natural. We must have an eye to see what is happening to me in the spirit. And in the spirit, there is a greater glory that is produced in the midst of trials and tribulations. As long as we are looking, as long as we're keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, as long as we continue to have our focus on the Lord. Even when Peter was called out by Jesus to say, come on the water while Jesus was walking on water he came out and and he, he he looked around and he was distracted by the things that were happening around him and he started to sink and Jesus said why did you doubt we, he was supposed to keep his eyes on Jesus only and continue to walk on the storms of life and so my encouragement to us this morning the Holy Spirit is telling us it does not matter what is happening around us as much as what is happening inside of us there is a hope beyond this life there is a hope beyond this suffering there is a hope beyond the struggle and that person is the name of Jesus Christ he himself knows what it's like to suffer he himself knows what it's like to lose friends and family he himself knows what it's like to be despised to be rejected and to die and he knows how to sympathize the word of God says in the book of Hebrews we have a high priest who is touched by the feeling of our weakness and our infirmity we have someone who knows what it's like to suffer and we have someone that is inside of us Christ in me is the hope of glory this world is passing away it's passing away. We, we must enjoy it while it's here, definitely. But don't build on this thing. It's passing away. The only sure foundation is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of God. So I want to share with us three keys to thriving in the COVID crisis. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, usually the chapter that we read at weddings when it comes to romantic you know, in marriage, love is patient, love is kind. There's a verse here that's very important for us. It says in verse 12, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And so he says that in this time that we're living on earth, it is a temporary experience where everything is not perfect. Even when we are ministering spiritually, when we're praying for people, not everyone gets healed, even though it's God's desire. But we are on this side where we have weaknesses and impediments and, and we are still in the process of growing. We prophesy in part. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we miss it. We, we, we're trying our best. The only perfection that we have is the righteousness that was given us as a gift from the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the perfect one. And eventually we'll get to a place where we, it will be perfect. And then it says in verse 13, and now these three remain. What are they? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. While we're in the shadow of the, in the valley of the shadow of death, in this transient world, 
where we are passing and there's good days and there are bad days and there's good moments, happy moments and there are sad moments. While we're passing through, there's one thing that is sure and that is always constant and the same. And that is that Jesus, the Son of God, was sent by God as a token and demonstration that he loves us and that he's preparing something better for us. And so what are the three things, the three keys that we are to maintain while we are awaiting, while we are awaiting the coming of the Lord? Faith, hope, and love. All other things will pass. But even in the other life, we've got the perfection of faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of this is love. So the first one, faith. Faith in God, faith in his word, faith in his character. Many times, as we believe in God for many things, our faith struggles. But the one thing that is sure is that there is a faith that is the faith in the righteousness of what Jesus has done on the cross. That faith never fails. That faith endures forever. Because the righteousness of Jesus is constant. The work of the cross is a perfect work. I'm reading here from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, from verse 5, it says that we know that if our earthly house, our body, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And uh, this is verse 1, and then verse 2, for in this we groan, in this house, we groan and earnestly desire or earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. Verse 4, for we who are in this tent or in this body groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life or by immortality. We have this discomfort with this body, this body that's susceptible to disease, susceptible to weakness, susceptible to temptation. We are still in this tent, but there is a body that is prepared for us, that is promised to us. And then it says in verse 5, Now he who has prepared us for this very thing, who also has given us the Spirit, is God. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So the Holy Spirit in us is the initial down payment, is the deposit to say that we are going to get a better body, a better tent, a better experience, a place where we don't die, where we don't age, where we don't become weak, where we are not discouraged, where we don't get sick. It is coming. And then it says in verse 6, as a result of this, so we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, in this body, we are absent from the Lord. And then he says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. What does he mean? We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk in, in believing what is inside and not by seeing what is on the outside. We do not place our eyes on the outward appearance. Though our outward man perishes, what is inside is being perfected more and more. We walk by faith knowing that we are going to get a better, a better body, a better hope. And it is not in this world. <laughs> it is not in this world. It is in the coming life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he showed it to us when he appeared to his disciples after his resurrection. In his resurrected body, he could eat. 
Some of us are very excited about the fact that in heaven they will still be eating, whether it's fish, whether it's, you know, uh, vegetables, some like vegetables, or whether it's meat, whatever else. I don't know. I don't want to say when people come there, oh, Pastor Chris said there will be meat. Where's the bacon? You know, <laughs> the, the point is they will be eating. They will be celebrating. Our bodies will not just be uh, uh, inanimate objects. Jesus said a ghost doesn't eat. Give me fish. Touch me. A ghost doesn't eat and drink. And so that was his glorified body. It can be here one moment, gone the other one. He ascended in a physical body. Hallelujah. And so he says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Verse 8, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We desire to move from this earth full of its pain and imperfection. But while we are here, we live in faith knowing what is coming is going to be awesome. It's going to be good. So this is a time to have faith. Faith that things will get better? No. Faith in Christ. Faith in Christ produces salvation. That salvation is the treasure. It is the hope that we hold. It's not just for the materialistic things that will come as a result of faith. Of course, we believe that we can use our faith to receive certain things from God. But beyond that, the ultimate is that he that believes on the Son of God has life. This life that lives beyond this, this passing age. Then he says in verse 9, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. That is the life of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For we, are, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men or we warn men, but we are well known to God and I also trust well known in your consciences. And so this is the first key, faith, 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 faith. In this time, it's not time to take your eyes off Jesus. It's time to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The second key is hope. In this time, we should have hope. Hope doesn't mean wishful thinking, I'm just hoping for the best. No, Bible hope is different. It goes beyond the circumstances. It's not a matter of what's happening in the circumstances. It's a hope against hope, like, like um, Abraham looking at his wife that passed menopause and looking at himself and his body already decomposed almost, and he's 100 and she's in her 90s and they have to have a child. It's impossible. That's Bible hope. Bible hope looks beyond what is possible and has an anchor in the soul that believes and stands with a hopeful attitude in the midst of crisis. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 15 to 20, it says, And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Then it says, People swear, verse 16, People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. So when it, I, I swear, for real, uh, definitely I will do it. People, when they swear, they swear by God or by on my mother's grave or on my father's grave. Or they swear to give assurance to the person whom they are giving assurance to that this will certainly 
come to pass. It sets all argument to end. Verse 17, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. So even God, who doesn't need to swear, look here, he says in verse 18, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, number one, and the fact that he, he, he made an oath. Someone who cannot lie, making an oath. And he swore by himself, the highest name, because there was no one else to swear by. By unchangeable things, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Then he says, verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. What does this mean? It means that no matter what happens, because the disciples in the first century, they, they really became discouraged through the opposition because they felt like, oh man, they're going to destroy everything that God is trying to do in and through us. But there is a hope that God swore, no, he will be with us forever. He will never leave us nor forsake us. The promises of God are yes and amen. And God swore on oath so that we could have something to hold on to, to face tomorrow with hope in our hearts. There are some of you, you, you might be losing hope in these times. Some of you, I see someone, you're working in the medical profession and you, you feel hopeless often. And I feel like you're a nurse and God is really speaking to you this morning and saying, I am the hope and I don't change. I don't go up and down. I am your hope. And I want to encourage, there are people that you're listening to me, there's someone, you lost your job during this COVID-19 thing. And it's really a crisis in your family because you're the breadwinner for the whole family. And God is saying, look to me. I am your hope, not your job, not your qualification, not the people that look to me. I am a sure hope. And that hope is an anchor for your soul. It establishes us firm and secure. It goes beyond the circumstances. So we have our faith in Christ. We have our hope that comes from God and his word. And then we have love. He says the greatest of these is love. And most often we consider this as the love that we have for people, which is right. I mean, in this time, it's time to be loving. It's time to be self-sacrificial church. Wherever we are as believers, go the extra mile. If someone needs something, go the extra mile. And, and help your family members especially. Help your friends. Help them financially, wherever they have a need. Be, be love to them. This is what um, it says in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, hmm, but do not have love, I am nothing. Verse 3, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. 
love never fails. And it's important in this time that our families and our friends and even our unsafe friends, they feel this love. But the key here is mostly not that we have loved first, but that God loved us first. The love that we have to give to others comes from God. He's the one that loved us first. It says in 1 John 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished or bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. The fact that we can say I'm a child of God means I have been loved by God. It is only the fact that I've been loved by God that makes me entitled it says he gave them authority to be called children of God. Everyone that received him, that believed on his name, he gave them power to be called children of God. Not born of blood, actual children of God. Born of the Spirit. Hallelujah. And so that's the love that we should be, that we should be feeling in our hearts that gives us the ability to persevere in this time. That God loves us. We are not to consider whether God loves us or not based on the circumstances around us. There is one thing that God has done that is more than enough to prove God's love forevermore. And that is that he sent his son to die on the cross. And three days later, he raised him from the dead. That is enough proof that God loves us. If God never does anything else, the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us so that we could be called children of God and be brought into eternal life is more than enough, more than enough, more than enough, forever, proof of God's love. It says that God commended, he proved his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The unrighteous for the, the, the righteous for the unrighteous. The innocent for the guilty. Hallelujah. I mean, every extra blessing that you get on top of that is just grace and favor and God just lavishing on top of that. But the, the anchor, you know, sometimes you have people coming in church or wherever and they say, I, I don't know if God loves me. I, I need to feel God's love. Pastor, pray for me so that I can feel God's love and feel it's not about feelings. Look at the cross. Look at the Son of God being crushed, being whipped. In your place. He wasn't there for his own sins. For your sins. For your faults. For your offenses. For your imperfection. For your arrogance. For your lack of faith. He is being crushed on the cross. For you. And if you will but look at Jesus. Your sense of God's love will be at an all time high. And so when we read this passage in Corinthians, we can say God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. He does not boast. He's not proud. He does not dishonor others. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And God never fails. And so as we're facing this difficult time, this crisis moment in our nation and in our lives. Faith, hope, and love. Faith in Christ, hope in God, and the love of God towards us is what will cause us to thrive despite this. Remember, have this picture in your mind that you are gold coming forth out of the tribulation, purified. No matter what painful experience you've gone through. 
no matter what you've lost in this time, you have not lost Christ. And he is the treasure. He is the treasure. And this is why it's so important for us to be preaching to our friends and family because we will give them something more than money, more than health, more than an earthly life that is fleeting and passing, that is like breath. We will give them life in Christ, which is the true value beyond everything else. Hallelujah. And so I want us to just be reminded this morning that Jesus Christ at the center of it all, he makes all the difference. Whether we live or die. The Apostle Paul said it this way, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Either way, I win. No matter what happens to me, <laughs> you can't kill me for losing. I win anyway. If I'm here, it's because God wants me here. I'm continuing the work. If I die, I'm in heaven. So whichever way, I cannot be threatened. I cannot be discouraged. I cannot be struck down. I cannot. Why? Because I have Christ. I have life. Let's put our faith in Jesus today. As I was praying, I really had a sense that there are people who are watching this morning, you've lost loved ones. And it really almost caused your faith to be shaken. And I feel the Holy Spirit saying this morning, well done. You have kept your, your sight, your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just on the Lord Jesus Christ, on his cross, his sacrifice for you. That's the treasure, that's the value. His resurrection, the hope that is in him. There's someone else, you've lost your business and it's causing problems in your marriage. It's like there's a talk of divorce and now. The, the relationship was almost already unstable and now that you lost your job, there's a risk of, of, of your, your marriage falling apart. And I feel like God is saying to you, your marriage will not fall apart. He is making a way where there seems to be no way that you will humble yourself, husband and wife, that you will both humble yourselves and that you'll continue to look at Jesus who laid himself down for his bride. And that husband, you will lay down yourself for your bride. The Holy Spirit is providing a miracle and grace for you. Even in this coming week, you will see a turnaround in your situation. God is your provider in this time. I see someone else, you are backsliding. You feel like I'm, I'm just about to leave the things of God, especially because of the amount of loss you've experienced during this COVID-19 time. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I see you and I hear you, and this is not the time to draw back. This is the time to draw close. And God is going to rewrite. I hear him saying, I will rewrite his story. I, I see a young man, your name is John or Jonathan or Johnny. Uh, God is, is saying, he will rewrite your story. Don't give up hope. There's something better beyond this crisis. And so for everyone else that's watching, I really felt like God is saying, remember, you are my beloved. You are my family, you are my children. And God's heart, the spirit is really saying, I have not left you as orphans, but I've given you a sense that you have a father that is in heaven. Continue in prayer. Continue praying to your father that is in heaven. Continue pouring out your heart to your father that is in heaven. Continue in your times of weeping and difficulty. Come to your father that is with arms open. Come to your father. Come to his throne of grace. Come and he will Pour out abundant grace for every time you will receive mercy and grace in your time of need. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, Lord, that today, even as we are considering your 
your spirit and your love. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. We are going to take a time to have communion this morning. And I want to encourage you to get the elements together so that we can have communion as we consider the love. So as we take communion, we are going to be reminded of that song that I spoke of earlier on. It says, I'm trading my sorrows and I'm trading my shame for the joy of the Lord. And I'm trading my sickness and I'm trading my pain for the joy of the Lord, obviously the healing of the Lord. And uh, as we take communion, we are identifying, it says, Whenever we do this, do it in remembrance of me. Because when we do it, we proclaim the Lord's death. And we announce that we received life in exchange. So Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my body. Take it and do this in remembrance of me. So let's take of the body of Christ. If you are sick in your body, everyone that has a COVID symptom, all kinds of sickness, whether it be cancer, whether it be uh, pneumonia, in the name of Jesus, be healed as you partake of the communion. Thank you, Lord. Father, I, I thank you, Lord. I, I just prophesy life and healing right now to every person that's watching, Lord God. Be healed now in Jesus' name. Every infirmity, leave now in Jesus' name. Every pain, every discomfort, all that breathing difficulty, leave now in Jesus' name. We speak perfection to the saturation levels in Jesus' name. We speak perfection to this body and the lungs in Jesus' name. Be healed, be restored in Jesus' name. And all the other ailments and sicknesses, be healed now in Jesus' name. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And so we have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of the grace of God. And so as we partake, let it wash our conscience completely clean so that we can draw near with a, with a, with a heart full of assurance of faith, hope, and love. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've made all provisions for us to be blessed in life and in godliness. And I thank you, Lord, this morning, as we meditate on your word, I pray that your faith, your hope, and your love will continue to strengthen all of us. And I thank you, Lord, that we will thrive despite this, that this perseverance will bring forth a great maturity and a, complete, uh, a completion on the other side of this crisis. We honor you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have a blessed, blessed week. Continue to stay in the Word of God. Stay safe. Continue to take care of your family and we will see you soon. Please remember to subscribe to the channel. Please remember to like so that we're able to have this message going through and send it on to friends and family so that we are able to be a blessing to others. May the Lord bless you. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening. 
For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.